traveling through another dimension. Another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. But of mind. A journey into a wondrous land, land whose boundaries are that of imagination. That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Twilight Zone. Tonight on the Twilight Zone podcast, we will put ourselves to the test and see whether we can resist the law of the Blue Scorpion. I'm your host, Jeff Elliott, and I'm joined by two friends of the show tonight. First is my old friend, a regular, Brandy. How are you doing tonight? I am doing very well, Tom. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Looking forward to getting into this one. But yes. it's uh, it's not just the two of us tonight. We have a third friend, a friend of the show for some time, but maybe not actually on the air. And that is Lacey. Lacey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome to be here. So Lacey, we've kind of known each other a while now, maybe not in terms of speaking all the time and that kind of thing but you have been a listener to the twilight zone podcast for some time and i I appreciate that but you're you're no stranger to podcasting yourself are you can you tell us maybe a bit about what you've done in the past yeah i come from a public radio background in the states so i worked Uh at a couple different stations and produced podcasts on everything from the arts to true crime and now i work at cbs news and produce the podcast for cbs this morning great so so this this new twilight zone experience have you been enjoying it so far yeah it's been really exciting to have it be new and tackle issues of today i love jordan peele so that's been fun as well to see him every episode and mm-hmm. I think it's done a good job. I think, as you've talked about on the podcast, a lot of the lessons are a bit on the nose, and I've read that criticism online as well. But um, I think they're they're handling important topics and topics that still can start discussions, even if you kind of know where the episode is going. So I've I've really enjoyed it so far. Good, good. Any favorite episodes? Um, I love replay. And I really enjoyed mm-hmm. Not All Men, and this episode we're talking about tonight I'm excited about also. Good, good. Now, Brandy, refresh my memory. What was the last one we talked about? The last one that we talked about was The Wonderkind. Right, okay. And that was one we were a little bit mixed on. So <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> what, do you, what have you thought of the show since then? Well, I have enjoyed the season. Um, I can't talk about Not All Men because it triggered some really terrible memories for me. And so mm-hmm. I cannot go there. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I deal with it, but I can't, I can't publicly go into how I felt about that one. But I thought it was uh-huh. extremely well done because it reminded me of many situations that I have been in and very many women have been in. And it's it's all about reminding people you can choose your behavior. So mm-hmm. I thought that was really an important episode. Actually, everything that they've touched on so far, I have found to be important in today's society and not just today's society. These are just common human problems that have yeah. existed since men and women began, <laughs> since humanity began. And uh-huh. I just... 
I, I have enjoyed, I may not have always enjoyed every moment of every episode, but I have enjoyed the season overall. Good, good. Okay, well, tonight we have, um, we're almost at the end. I can't believe we're almost <laughs> at the end. It's flown the by. Second to, yeah, it really has. It really has. The second to last episode, but um, I guess we'll get into it. You ready to go? Let's do it. Yes. First broadcast on the 23rd of May, 2019. Written by Glenn Morgan and directed by Craig William McNeil. When Jeff Stork finds his father dead at home by suicide, he then comes into possession of the instrument of that death, a seemingly mystical gun called the Blue Scorpion, and a bullet with his name on it. While initially reluctant to stay in possession of it, the Scorpion begins to exert a strange control over Jeff, who becomes more and more infatuated with it. As his life begins to crumble around him, Jeff's behaviour becomes more and more erratic, and with a multitude of Jeffs around him, who is the named Bullet really meant for? Now, I always like to start with the Jordan Peele opening narration. Now, on the second watch of this episode, I kind of went back to it, to see how it ties into this story and how relevant it seems to be. Now, I love the fact that he's sitting there in the living room. Obviously, I, I really like that. But he says in it, and he's talking about the character of Jeff, Jeff Stork, a man who holds a doctorate, doctorate in anthropology, but possesses little true knowledge of himself. And I, I was a little bit confused about, you know, when, when you see how the story plays out, what you know what little what knowledge of himself is he lacking i think that was a bit confusing too i think we're kind of dropped into this story and we don't know much about jeff's life before mm -hmm. the episode begins other than his marriage is falling apart um i so i think that yeah there nothing ever really sets up what what else was lost in his life or what he finds mm -hmm. himself confused by or how he was kind of chosen to be down this particular path of the Twilight Zone. At first, I thought that's actually kind of typical, someone being an expert in a field and yet not being able to apply that expertise to themselves. Like psychologists and psychiatrists are often in the same boat. They mm -hmm. study human behavior the way the brain works, and yet they can't apply that to themselves, and they have their own problems that they can't even diagnose or recognize. So I feel like, because anthropology is the study of human behavior, I think that's part of the reason why he's being pushed down this path, because he's he knows all of these things about behavior, but nothing about his own behavior. And I think that's why it's he so quickly succumbs to the lure, I guess, of the blue scorpion. Mm, mm. So we're, we're introduced to that quite quickly. And, and I think, you know, as, as far as openings to Twilight Zone episodes go, this one was pretty impactful. You know, the way he comes into the, um, he comes into the apartment and we kind of just see, you know, his dad's leg there. His dad has killed himself. So it, it's pretty impactful. Now, the, the director of this is a guy called Craig William McNeil. When you look down his list of credits, he really doesn't have much. 
He's directed an episode of the Netflix Sabrina show and, you know, a couple of other things, but really not much else. But I just think he's done such a great directing job with with this episode. I agree. I loved the, I guess, the coloring of it. I mean, the story opens in the father's house and you can tell he's a pack rat and holds on to everything. (laughs) Um, So you kind of feel that vibe of the era that he was this star kind of performing with all the greats of of his time um Mm. so i feel like you're kind of put in that atmosphere a bit and then once the blue scorpion is introduced just those really beautiful shots of it and the light glinting off of it and just making it look so beautiful and tantalizing i think was really powerful a lot of those close-up shots of it honestly There hasn't been a single episode where I felt like, oh, well, that was poorly filmed. Every single episode has had just magnificent shots. And one of my favorites of this episode is uh, after his father's funeral and he's back at his father's house, he's gotten high and he's Mm. (laughs) listening to hippie music and he's in that recliner. And we're just getting this very slow progression down the hall into this room and you can just feel something is building but you don't know what yet and kind of the same thing when the light comes on in the bedroom by itself and we go with him down the hall just those moments just so subtly build tension and Uh I, i think that it's just it's brilliantly directed it's perfect i don't think i felt well well i was gonna tell a lie then actually I was going to say I don't think I've felt this much tension since replay, but I actually thought uh, Six Degrees of Freedom was pretty tense too. But th- this one's just another great example of it, I think. You know, really, really ratchets up that tension, has a, a strange sort of quality to it, the, some of the angles that they use and the use of music and so on. Mm-hmm. Now, we, we are introduced to the Blue Scorpion itself. It's a very ornate kind of gun with this beautiful handle it's it's gold colored and so on you know we'll get on to what this episode is about later on but but i think using the blue scorpion in this context you know it's not just a gun it's like a mystical kind of object it is a pretty smart way of tackling a topic like this. So what what do you think of this this part of it, Lacey? Yeah, just from the start, you kind of see how ornate it is. And, and he's confused because he says, you know, his father's a lifelong hippie. He hates guns. I don't know why he would have this. Um, mm. But it, it really is a beautiful object. And it kind of captivates him from the start, I think, just part of the confusion of why it exists. And then the very unique look of it compared to, you know, most guns you see aren't necessarily as beautiful. You just think of kind of the black metal. Um, So I think right from the start, you kind of, as the viewer and he, Jeff himself, is drawn into it. And I think that's the first bit of power you kind of see that the object has. And and as we go on, we kind of learn that the Blue Scorpion doesn't like the dark it's it's this sort of aspect that that's introduced to the story that the blue scorpion doesn't like to be in the dark what would you say the significance of that is what what did you get from that you know i'm not a hundred percent sure on that i i don't know if it's that it wants to be useful 
and it doesn't like to be put away. Uh, that's mm. that's kind of a correlation that I got from it. But as far as just being afraid of the dark, I never quite connected with why that was important. <laughs> so it just didn't make any sense to me. But this, you know, th this has a little touch of the study of animism in it, because when Jeff is talking to one of his students about her research project, and she's going nuts, because now she thinks her sneakers are going to be lonely and stuff like that. <sighs> and so, you know, that's there's that connection made there. But I, I just thought, why would you why would, why would an object be afraid of the dark, especially something like a gun. Hmm. I just hmm. didn't quite connect with that. I was honestly confused about that as well. And I've, I watched the episode twice through and I was trying to see if there were any, you know, clues I missed the first time around of why this was to be. And I don't know if it's just kind of pointing to the, like Brandy, you just brought up the animism of it and it actually has this soul within it. And hmm. One of those factors is that it, it does want to be seen and used, and I think it it shows that when the blue scorpion is presented to somebody, there's a clear purpose, and so it shouldn't be hidden away in the dark. It needs to fulfill that destiny. I, I think I agree with that. I think, again, I, you know, I'm not 100% on it, but kind of like what, what both of you have said, if it, if it can be just locked away and left somewhere, then it can't affect people's lives, then it, it does run the risk of uh, just being forgotten about if it's if it's just put away in a drawer or a safe or something like that. But on the other hand, the blue scorpion can go wherever it wants to go. So it just seems to turn up, doesn't it, when, when it needs to or, or when someone tries to get rid of it, then it comes back. So I'm not 100% on that one, but if this Twilight Zone has shown me anything, it's that there's so many layers to everything. You can you can go back and kind of see things you've missed before. So I, I'm looking forward to doing that again. Now we find that the Jeff's life, I guess, is is a bit of a mess. You know, he's splitting up from his wife. Uh, there's that aspect to it. You know, he seems to be all right in, in his work and so on. But you know, certainly the lore of the Blue Scorpion is having its effect on him. And one of my favorite scenes in this episode is the shooting range uh, scene mm. it, it's almost like a seduction scene you know he's starting to really get seduced by the the blue scorpion but the the use of music the cinematography it's really very interesting and while it was happening the music swells and it just becomes almost overbearing which i actually liked and here's this is this, the strangest thought that i had while i was watching it um if you've seen the movie dread the one with carl urban guys uh, mm. There is a scene which where you see Mama for the first time, the big crime boss, and she's using slow-mo and she's splashing water in her bath. And it was that same kind of music, just this intense buildup. And then when he's out of ammunition, it suddenly just cuts off. And mm. it's just like, whoa, you know, we're all shocked by that. It was it was that it was hypnotizing. Yeah, I agree. He walks in and at first there's the loud noises of everybody else shooting at the range beside him. And then as soon as he puts on those sound blocking headphones, um, that brief moment of silence before that music really picks up, I think, uh -huh. I think was really neat as well. And then just the transformation he undergoes, you know, he 
like we've said, his his marriage is falling apart. He his father dies, and in this scene, you kind of see him gain some more power. And I don't know mm-hmm. if that was going to. Right, I, I'm assuming that's kind of speaking to what people feel when they pick up a gun and the power that represents. And he's holding this object, and he suddenly can do anything with it. And as he shoots it more, you know, he's rolling up his sleeves, he's throwing his tie back. Um, yeah. you, you just really see him transform into more a more confident person after you've seen him quite sad for the the first part of the episode. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think key to this scene and key to the whole episode really is Chris O'Dowd. Is he someone you're aware of much, Lacey? Have, have you seen him in much? You know, I've seen him in some romantic comedies. He's always kind of the lovable guy. That's usually uh-huh. pretty sweet. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed him in this as well. I adore Chris O'Dowd because he was in <laughs> one of my favorite shows of all time, The IT Crowd. And mm. I that was the first time I saw him and I have just loved him ever since. And he, as I've said before, People don't understand that comedians, most of the time, like 99% of the time, do such good drama. And he Mm. nails it in this episode. He absolutely makes us believe he's falling apart. He makes us believe the obsession that he has with the blue scorpion. All of these things. It's just, oh, I love him so much. Yeah, you believe it. And he's going down this downward spiral, but you're still rooting for him. There's something about him that's so magnetic. And you just, you want the best for him, even though he's clearly falling apart. Love you, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think he's made the move over to the States now because he, he tends to be in more uh, American stuff at the moment, which which is cool because he deserves that, that kind of exposure. And oh. and you're right, he, he is a great comedic actor, but I think this really shows that he is just a great actor. For me personally, I think this may be my favourite performance of of the show so far. And that's saying a lot because I really hold a lot of them in such high regard but it's great what they're doing as well that you know adam scott in nightmare at Thirty Thousand feet got to show that aspect of himself now we've got chris o'dowd doing it um i i think seth is it seth rogan in the next one is that the guy's name yes yeah like he's a comedic actor too so it's really cool that they're they're given these actors these comedic actors that this opportunity to to kind of stretch in this way so I, I really really love what Chris O'Dowd does with this one and another scene that that we have later on is the I guess he's really starting to fall apart at this point and they have this meeting where they where they're kind of sharing out planning to share out the the marital belongings between them and obviously it's not going Jeff's way very well but he's got he's got the blue scorpion in a bag with him at the time and you know what's he thinking what what's he going to do what do you think of this scene brandy you are worried from the get-go especially when he says he has a friend a new friend that is going to make all of his troubles disappear and he reaches into the backpack and you think he's going to pull out the gun and he pulls out a pad of paper and you're so relieved you are just Mm. so relieved you're like please do not do a murder suicide right now that is like that's not the resolution i want and uh, but he he does become more and more frantic throughout the negotiation 
to the point where he was ready to pull that gun out right before security came in. He was ready to do that. And luckily, it's, I, I don't know if it was the her, the wife walking out and so she was no longer there to for him to punish or whatever or whether it was the threat of security or what have you. And he he finally just leaves. But it mm-hmm. that scene made me very tense. <laughs> Yeah, I was so nervous the whole time. Yeah, when you said when you reached into the bag and then he whips out the pad pretty quickly. So you don't know if he's pulling the gun or what, but um, it made me nervous. Mm-hmm. And he has to talk himself down out loud, kind of, that he doesn't need to to pull it out, that he'll be okay. And you can see him. I th- that's kind of a testament to the, his dramatic acting as well. You can really see the tension in him and how he's physically having to restrain himself because he knows how easy it could be to pull out the gun. And, you know, there's three Jeffs right there. You don't know which one he'll choose, but you, there's just so many ways that that scene could play out that you have to see him physically calm himself down and and just leave the situation. I think what it says to me, and I guess we'll probably get a bit more into this in the summing up is that the presence of the blue scorpion was making Certainly a very stressful situation and a very fraught situation, not a pleasant one to be in, but it was making that situation potentially a fatal situation. He really is starting to unravel now. We see him at home, he's kind of playing with the gun, he's pointing it at his neighbour. But at the end of the episode, towards the end of the episode, we see he's outside his wife's address. She's in there with her new partner, also named Jeff. But earlier on in the episode, they've set up this home invasion angle where his wife also has a gun because there's been a spate of home invasions in the area. So let's just open up the the conversation to pretty much anything now. Um, This is our end, and this is what what happens. The the Blue Scorpion goes off in the car after Jeff is uh, attacked by the the home invader, the burglar. Lacey, what what do you think of this ending? I think that it was kind of an interesting way to end where you're set up with all these... Jeff's that he meets along the way. Um, mm. I mean, that scene immediately after you, you first see the bullet show his name and then he's going, um, on campus the next day and suddenly there's Jeff's everywhere. The Jeff is the lawyer and the wife's new boyfriend, um, the gun shop owner who wants to buy the gun. He's kind of surrounded by them and the, home invasion remark earlier in the episode that you mentioned seems kind of insignificant at the time. Um, So then when he comes out of, out of of nowhere, um, it it, kind of makes sense then. And obviously he, he knows before the police officer says the name that the home invaders name was Jeff as well. I was Mm -hmm. a little confused by the ending though, that, you know, he is given this kind of hero's response after he puts an end to these, the string of home invasions. Um, mm. But there was never any question of why he was camped out in front of the wife's <laughs> house with this gun. Um, true, true. It, 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 so I, I don't know that that was ever fully resolved for me. Yeah, I just wrote it off to everybody was so happy to be alive and unharmed that they didn't care why he was there. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> it just was, I think that was kind of why it was glossed over. Because quite frankly, he probably, I mean, well, not he, but his being there and the blue scorpion 
saved lives in this case, Hmm. because you think of home invasion like being a burglary. It's not, because they don't just come in to steal your stuff. They come in to abuse you and intimidate you, sometimes rape you. That's what Hmm. home invasion is. It's terrifying. It's not just someone sneaking in, grabbing stuff and leaving. It is aggressive. It is a power move and it is horrible. And so, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, but I think at the, at the beginning of the episode, it demonstrates, you know, when he stops by the house without saying anything and goes in to pick up his mail and the wife comes down with the gun, how easily she could have accidentally shot him. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, but I, I was, the thing is, is that and and I'm going to shout back to an earlier scene, which is the scene where the light comes on in the bedroom and he goes down and he sees the gun laying on the bed. And mm. Tom, you may understand this. I don't think Lacey will get the reference, but I had a ghost watch moment when that happened. I'm just like, is there someone standing by the wall that I can't see yet? And then the creator is the, of the gun is there. And I'm just like, ghost watch. Anyway, um, <laughs> but all the British people will get it. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but he's... He says that the gun wants to help you. And so the gun helps him and then all of these good things happen to him. So it's fulfilling its promise in a weird Mm -hmm. way. And then when he gets the gun back, I'm like, oh, no, don't go down this road again. Don't do it. And so I was absolutely delighted and shocked when he threw it in the lake. Yeah, I was yeah. I was so pleased with that. And he's just like, I don't you you did your thing. I don't need you get out of here. And then I'm like, well, that thing's going to wash up on the shore and somebody's going to pick it up. And sure enough, then it's a couple of kids. Also, that that scene where he <laughs> this is this is utterly ridiculous because it's just nitpicky, but it's it's true to life where he's. You know, he's picked up the gun. He's like dry firing it, and he point, you know, points it at his neighbor, etc. And I'm like, "Stop dry firing that gun! You're going to ruin the firing pin and damage the chamber." <laughs> <laughs> that may not be true of a lot of modern guns, but that gun is old. Don't do that. But just one of those things where I thought, but yeah, he doesn't know anything about guns, so of course he would do that. And then yeah, you've yeah. got the kids at the end picking up the gun, and then they're loading it with the bullet, and I'm like, okay, yep. Yeah, yeah. This is stuff that happens. This is stuff that absolutely happens every day. Yeah, and that's why I think the ending um, of not the the actual ending, but the ending of the home invader being killed, it kind of reminded me of this kind of kind of accepted notion in society that you know. If there's a bad guy with a gun, you want the good guy with a gun, too. So he's able to put an end to this because he's also armed. And if he wasn't armed, who knows how this could have gone. So I don't know. It, it, I kind of wonder exactly what the writers are trying to get at in this episode. Um, I think it's one mm-hmm. of the ones that isn't as neatly wrapped up as some of the other ones. Um, I'm yeah. not trying. I can't figure out exactly what they're trying to say. I do have an idea. Brandy, do you do you? have a thought of what they're trying to say with this one i think that they are trying to show and not doing it very in your face like some other episodes have been purported to do i think they're trying to show all of the different attitudes towards guns 
and people's mm. obsession with them because that's basically what this is about is in general America's obsession with its guns and mm -hmm. why they become so vehement when there's any kind of hint of regulation being proposed or what have you and and also the idea that if you have a gun you should have training on what to do with said gun which is what the nra used to be about is being a responsible gun owner you know just mm -hmm. know how to clean a gun know how to not keep it loaded while it's in the house you know all of those things because there have been so many accidental get deaths due to a gun in the home than there have been people who have been saved from a home invasion by someone having a gun yeah, that's like the scene early in the episode where the wife comes out with a gun and then she doesn't know how to put the safety on. Yeah. <laughs> so she has one. She thinks it'll protect her. But then she you, you see that she doesn't actually know how to work it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If, if, if you don't mind, if I ramble for a moment. Oh, please do. I love it when you ramble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it, it, is, it is one that I've thought a lot about because as i've said before you know this this new twilight zone there have been a few times where it's brought up a topic and i've been like oh man and and it's not because i don't think the show should be doing it but i just kind of hate the online noise around it you know that the, the mm. kind of anger that seems to come with it you know there have been a few topics where i've kind of pussyfooted around it a bit and you know maybe just try and stick more to the story itself but this is one where I don't really feel like I need to because, I mean, I've lived in Texas before and I had many friends there who were gun owners and they took me to the shooting range and I had a good time and they were good people. So I'm certainly not going to kind of demonize people who have shown me that kindness and by all accounts were very careful with their guns and so on. So I'm not saying anyone who's on the other side of a debate is a bad person, you know, just by default. Um, and I'm certainly not going to stick my nose into America's business either and say what they should or shouldn't do. So I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I kind of come to this topic with that respect. But, you know, I also ask that anyone listening, whatever side of the gun debate you are on, you know, kind of respect where I'm coming from too, because I do notice that this new Twilight Zone whenever they bring up a topic the response is always it's always left or right these days and you know if you think one way about this then you're on the left if you think another way about it then you're on the right and it does get quite exhausting because I mean personally I don't always really understand that position because these are humanitarian topics to me not left and right topics so when it comes to gun laws, you know, my point of view isn't from an American perspective or a left and right perspective because, you know, here in the UK, it's never been a left and right thing. I think in my lifetime, there have been five mass shootings in the UK. And one was in 1978, um, where eight people were killed. And then probably one of the most famous ones was in 1987, and that was the Hungerford Massacre, uh, where 16 people were killed. But after that one happened, uh, the Conservative government of that time brought in the Firearms Amendment Act, and that banned the ownership of semi-automatic 
guns and also restricted the use of shotguns with a capacity of more than three cartridges. Um, so that was brought in then. And then in 1989, uh, there was another shooting where only one person was killed. In 1996, there was a very tragic one in a school in Dunblane where 16 children and a teacher was killed. And after that one, again, the Conservative government introduced the Firearms Amendment Act, which banned all cartridge ammunition, handguns, except for, you know, 22 caliber single shot guns. Now, in that year, we had an election and then the Labour Party came in, who uh, who would, I guess, are on the left, and they then banned that that what was left, really. So it's always been a both-party thing here that if something happens, then they pull back further with the owning of guns. And then our last one was in 2010 in Cumbria, so hopefully that's our last, but that was nine years ago. So I think the UK and America seem to be fundamentally different in that over there it's seen by some as part of the kind of fabric of society and people's rights and freedoms where as over here it's not and you know I'm sure there were some grumbles when the laws was changed over here but on the whole those changes were welcomed nobody cares that guns are gone and nobody misses them so you know again this isn't me commenting on what Americans should or shouldn't do but this is just just what's happened here and and I think as a Brit, I'm glad that things are how they are here because if I ask myself, would this be a better country if, if gun ownership was more widespread, I'd say no because if there were more guns, more people would get shot. You know, it's as simple as that. So, you know, yes, some criminals have guns, but that's still pretty rare. And I think to arm our populace would just mean that then more criminals would arm themselves because then they would think, that they need to have them, you know, because I, I know police officers who say if they had to carry a gun, they wouldn't do the job because then, you know, more situations become lethal when they shouldn't be, like Jeff going to his divorce meeting and so on. So, I mean, that that's kind of my take on it. And, you know, if anyone gets angry at that, first of all, you know, chill out. I'm not attacking anyone's Second Amendment rights. I'm just telling you how things are here. You know, this is the truth of, of life in England and how it's developed over here. Um, but, you know, American society and British society are two different things. And what's right for us may not be right for other people. So, so I can see that too. And I do hope America finds that balance. But that kind of feeds into why I think this is a more balanced episode than people will give it credit for because, yes, Jeff's life is improved by the Blue Scorpion. The episode is acknowledging that sometimes it can be helpful and sometimes it's going to result in a positive situation. But then when the kids find it, it's sort of signposting that, but there is also this side to it. So this conversation needs to happen. You know, it's it's not a it's not a situation where everyone needs to go behind their their kind of lines and stay there. It's a situation where there is definitely two sides to it. And if you're gonna have that one side, then you need to acknowledge the other side too and realize that the bad side of it's gonna happen too, the death of children, school shootings and so on. So, you know, that's kind of where I get get to it and, and why I think it's actually a, a more balanced Twilight Zone than a lot of the critics I've seen of it. 
give it credit for. So, sorry, I've spoken for about 10 minutes there, but it's really one that I've thought about quite a bit, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think I found it pretty balanced in in that take as well. Um, I also think it was interesting that, you know, so many times in America when the gun debate is brought up again is after a mass shooting, and this episode doesn't even necessarily tackle that specific issue. You know, this is more kind of everyday risks or in this in the case of his life getting better benefits of guns in society so i think it's interesting that they don't even take it that step further and there's still so much to say about it i think that they balance this episode just perfectly um the sad thing about living in america today is that there have been far more than five mass shootings just this year yeah and it Mm -hmm. continues and continues and continues and There isn't, until recently, there has been a ban on even doing any research into the effects of guns and gun violence in our society. That ban was recently lifted, and studies, I hope, have begun. I pray, because the one thing that extremists tend to do is like, where are the facts? Well, you won't let us find any facts, so how can there be any facts? So... Now, finally, Mm -hmm. that is changing. I am not here to say that no one should have a gun. My father had guns. He never let us touch them. They were always locked in a gun safe. They were always unloaded because he was a responsible Mm -hmm. gun owner. We didn't even, even when they were unloaded and he was cleaning them or whatever, we didn't ever get to touch those guns. Even to this day, I have never touched his guns. Even though he is no longer on this earth, I have never touched those guns. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it was that's responsible gun ownership is keeping your kids away from them and knowing how to use Mm -hmm. them and knowing what not to do with them. So I'm not I'm not here to say, oh, we're coming for all your guns. But at the same time, we also need to be responsible people. And we need to make sure that guns aren't going into the hands of people who are mentally unbalanced. If we're fair, we're all a little mentally unbalanced. We all have mental problems. It's just like how we all have health problems. And why we don't talk about that Mm -hmm. more, I couldn't tell you, but that needs to change too. And I think once we focus on these things, responsibility and awareness of the mental state and, and actually doing something to help people who are having you know, more difficult mental problems than just your average day troubles... I think those two mm-hmm. things need to come together and we need to start being more open about this instead of saying, oh, well, now there's been this mass shooting here. Let's talk about gun control. No, now is not the time. It is exactly the time. It is always the time. Let's have a discussion instead of shouting at each other. Um, yeah, no, I totally agree. And hearing you list the the five mass shootings and, and like Brandy said, how we have them far more frequently. Um Recently, we marked the 20th anniversary of the Columbine school shooting. And one of the things we reported on the show I work on is that there's been 122 people have died in just mass school shootings alone since that. So it shows how nothing has changed, despite the fact that guns are are in, in the schools and everywhere in society. And I think this episode did a really powerful job of just showing how people view guns like I talked about that scene at the shooting range where you know he 
carries himself differently. He feels more powerful just by holding a gun. Um, the kids at the end of the episode, you know, immediately start playing like they're a police officer arresting a bad guy, you know, and the police officer has this gun and, and so he's in charge. And mm-hmm. I, I think it, it really did a, a great job of showing this kind of gun fetish we seem to have in society and, and how we th- think of things in through a different lens when in possession of a firearm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've got to say, uh, I really love this episode. We're at this point in the season and you, and I kind of thought maybe we'd seen the best of it. And then this one came along and it's partially because I think it does walk that line really well. If someone says that it's it's just really saying no guns for anyone, I don't agree with that. I think this is saying let's have that conversation because we're showing you a couple of aspects of this situation here. We need to really talk about it instead of just saying, you know, people are wrong for owning guns. So I think it does a really nice job of, of balancing that. But purely on an artistic level, I was just on the edge of my seat throughout. I think it looks gorgeous. It had a great mystery to it. What is the blue scorpion? How's it going to affect his life? And Chris O'Dowd was just the icing on the cake, you know, just a Maybe my favorite performance of the season so far, but I'll have to go back and see how that how that plays out. But um, final thoughts, Brandy? Well, you've said most everything that I would have said. It's, for me, pitch perfect. And kudos to the <laughs> set decorator mm. with the dad's house. Oh, my word. That was so 70s hippie. I can't even <sighs> tell you. It just, it just had this feeling. I mean, when you can make me feel feel something like that with set decoration well done D- directing the acting just mm, chris o'dowd yeah. you are a god so i i loved this episode and i and i really appreciated the ending i appreciated him throwing off the shackles of the blue scorpion mm-hmm. so to speak because uh, i didn't expect that so lacy uh, what what are your final thoughts and i guess where does it rank in in the season overall for you i love this episode as well it's definitely um I'm always bad at picking favorites of things, but it's definitely one of my one of my favorites. I can't say definitively which one I like the best, but this is definitely up there. And I think also um, it shows kind of this fascination with guns, but then, and I think this was kind of driven home in the conversation Jeff has with his student who's writing the paper on animism is that we kind of, we do this with other objects as well. You know, we, we put so much power into these objects we have and, you know, he's mm. going through a divorce and when the wife is possibly going to take away some of the father's possessions, like his favorite guitars and it, it really sh- and after the father dies and Jeff puts on his father's shirt, you know, just this attachment we have to things that mm. we own and have around us all the time. And and then I think, obviously, they, they drove it further with the guns in particular, but it shows that we really put this much power into so many things we own. And also, we didn't mention yet, but the um, when he, when Jeff walks into the shooting range, that there is the episode a most unusual camera playing in the background on one of the big screen tvs 
Oh, I missed that. I missed <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, so yes. she's the wife is holding the camera and yes. kisses it. And I think that kind of speaks to that also, that we have these objects and we give them this power and and how much we really... I don't know, put it, put an emphasis on these things. And I think that was just a brilliant little nod to, there weren't many Easter eggs, or at least that was the only one I spotted in this episode really. But um, I thought that was yeah. a nice nod to the original and, and kind of this larger point of how we view things in society. That's a really great point, actually, that they present the blue scorpion in such a way as to, it's almost like if, if you want to remove the kind of gun discussion aspect to it, it's presenting it as this mythical object you know, it, it can be a commentary on just possessions in general and, and placing so much importance on them in general. So I, I think that's a great point. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the show has been renewed for a second season. And I guess I haven't asked anyone this before, but what what would you like to see in the second season, Brandy? Just, you know, anything in particular. Can be anything you think. Oh, I haven't even thought about that at all. I don't know. I, <laughs> Sorry, I put you on the spot I do, there, didn't I? I? I try not to have... No, it's okay. It's okay. I try not to have expectations about things because uh, expectations can often mm-hmm. lead to disappointment. So I just... I, I couldn't even say for sure what I would like to see. Just uh, keep it coming and <laughs> keep giving me the Jordan Peele and I'll pretty much be mm-hmm. there guys so <laughs> just just keep creating human dramas keep creating dramas about you know humanity and what we experience as a whole and by telling certain mm-hmm. individual stories so just keep bringing that to light i completely agree i don't know that i have anything specific that i <laughs> i i just trust the creators so much i think they did a really great job and i think that they're touching on important topics and i think this episode specifically was just it, it, the conversation can go in so many different ways with it and i love all the layers to it and i think as long as they keep doing that um and bringing these new storylines and i've loved who they've cast in the series so i think uh-huh. I just, I think they're doing great. <laughs> I guess my only thought is I would love to see something like, you know, I'm fine with the issues it's bringing up, you know. It seems to be such a huge turn-off for some people, but I'm fine with it. But I'd like to see something like Shadow Play, where it's not necessarily about anything, but it's just a really sort mm. of freaky story that's there to kind of freak you out, I guess. And something like that would be cool. I'd I'd be quite um, interested to see that. Okay, so I think we'll leave it there. And the final episode drops on Thursday the 30th. Now, that's also the day that they're putting all the episodes onto CBS All Access uh, in black and white. Are are either of you going to check out any of the episodes in black and white? Absolutely. Yeah, any excuse Mm -hmm. to watch them again. Good, good. I I think I might. I don't think I'll have time to do the whole run, which is a shame. I think they're only putting it on for that one day, but I'll definitely try and watch a couple. Um, But that is also the day that the final episode drops. So if you want to get your thoughts onto the final listener feedback show, then if you could get them in by Sunday the 2nd of June... And, you know, if you want to do a top five or rank the episodes, that kind of thing, absolutely go for it. You know, I'm not too strict on the time limits. I say about five minutes, but 
it's the final episode, so if you want to add a bit more to it, you know, talk about the season as a whole a little bit, please do that. And you can email me at tz2019 at the Twilight Zone Podcast.com. And emails are welcome. MP3 clips are welcome. I'll I'll try and include as much as I can in this the final episode. Um, Lacey, it, it's so nice to talk to you after all this time, and I, and I really appreciate you coming on. It's um, it's been a, a real pleasure to finally speak to you. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this has been so exciting. I <laughs> told everybody I knew when you asked me to be on it. Um, <laughs> so I was I was so excited, and this was a lot of fun and great talking to you as well, Brandy. Oh, it's great talking to you, Lacey. I hope we get to do it again. Yes. And uh, Brandy, you've been here on this journey. I know you'd uh, been on every episode if you could, Absolutely. but I'm glad you got to. <laughs> I'm glad you got to be on three of them at least. And uh, you know, I know this isn't your final time on the Twilight Zone podcast, but thank you so much for your help with this project. Oh, it is sincerely my deepest pleasure to help in any way that I can, and I'm just so happy to be here. So that is the Twilight Zone podcast for this week. I don't, I don't even know what this next episode's called because I kind of, I'm trying to stay so much away from it. I don't want to know anything about it. So whatever it is, we will see you next time for that episode. Bye for now. <laughs>